Oh, it is so good to be in church. I'm so excited to speak with you this morning, but the conversation uh, is an intimate conversation this morning. The new message series that we are in is called Make Space. Uh, because as I am sitting here, I am 100% convinced that you didn't get dressed, you didn't come all this way, uh, because it's simply something you do. I believe there is a deep love that you have in your heart and a yearning um, to know more about Jesus and His love for you and for me. And you know, Scripture says no one can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws us. The fact that you are here, whether you are feeling convinced or not convinced, is already a sign of God's activity in your life. Last weekend was phenomenal. But where we are is realizing in the next series that what we desire the most can never be cultivated and flourish if we don't make space in our lives. There is something that you and I cannot have more of, and that's time. Um, and how many of you feel that time is so predictable and it moves so fast that you can come to the end of the week and really go like, what is life all about? But this morning, I want to share with you a message that I believe is going to challenge all of us that our desire to know God comes with an understanding that if we don't make room, that we will never have time for what is important. There is a guy, his name is Matt Mickelson. Now, there is a picture of Matt that they're going to put on the stage, on the screens. Now, Matt has got an interesting job. Whenever I read about people like him, I'm like, how do you even get this job? because it looks like a phenomenal job. Matt um, is a person that goes all across the United States and all he carries with him is a very sophisticated microphone and a recording device. He is standing right there at, at the, in the rainforest of Washington Olympic National Park. And since 2005, Matt has found only 10 places in the United States that he has marked where he has recorded absolute silence. Now, what he defines as absolute silence is a place where for 15 minutes he can record and there is no human activity or noise where he is. Now, when you look at the next picture of where Matt finds himself, I, I love this picture. L look at that. And what he does is he puts down a square by a square, a little red block, so if anybody stumbles in those places, they may experience 15 minutes 
of the sound of nature and you cannot hear any human influence in that. Now, hearing that and when I read that, I thought, that is just crazy. What do you mean only 10 places ever found in the United States with that? Now, when we talk about silence, most of us, when we think about silence, is something that freaks us out because he says silence is not the absence of something. It is actually the presence of everything. Because silence in itself is the place where the human heart is seen exposed. And for us, silence is something that freaks us out. At the Father's house, we try and create silence every now and then. And, and then people get freaked out when our tenebrae service, we tell them we're going to have silence for two minutes. And everybody always say, who's counting it? felt like 75 minutes because silence slows everything down. Now, here is the thing that I want to say, that I believe what you and I desire the most is a life of meaning. Because what is freaking me out is how quickly time progresses and how hard we try to do our best at life. But when we get to the end of a journey and we look back, everything we have done, everything we have given time to, that we are actually filled with regret and we wonder what was life really for? And you and I will find something. Dallas Willard is a, a, a Christian philosopher that has since passed away and he wrote these words. That is so profound. Dallas Willard says this, Hurry is the great enemy to spiritual life today. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now when I read this, I go like, where does he live? Like in the middle of the Arizona desert? Because this is New York, baby. Life favors the swift. You've got to hustle, 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 hustle. But the question comes where Jesus says, what benefits is there? What gain is in gaining anything and everything you've always wanted to, but at the end, you lose your own soul. And we're going to be exploring that today because when we think about evil, and Scripture tells us that we have an enemy. Greece campus, those online, you can't dispute that all through Scripture. And I emphatically believe that the Bible from index to the maps is God's inspired word. The parts that I don't understand doesn't discredit the word of God. He says, he upholds all things by the power of His Word. He says, all of heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word shall remain fixed and stable. Now, when I look at Scripture, it says that we all have an enemy, 
that's lurking around our lives like a roaring lion, seek, seeking who we can prounce on and who we can destroy. Now you see, if, if it was really a roaring lion, it would not be hard to see where the enemy is. Listen to the growl and watch National Geographic and you'll know what to run from. But you see, evil is so subtle. It is so deceptive. And, and God said to um, Adam, sin is lurking at the heart of your door and it's desirous for you, but you must master it. So I can tell you that the enemy is not far. He's lurking outside the door of my heart and your, the door of your heart. But when I look for him, I cannot find him because he has an incredible ability. It has an incredible ability to mask itself in a way that is so subtle. Because if we think of evil, we think of all the violent things and uh, things of unjust and, and unfair and just the messiness of the world that we are in. But what if I tell you that evil comes in a distraction? What if I tell you that your relationship with your spouse is at the mercy of how you can acknowledge distractions? And when you lose the priority of each other, you will grow apart, and so will you with your relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying this is a sin, but I believe that evil comes in the form of binge-watching Netflix. Nobody has ever watched 97 episodes of Netflix and go like, I feel so refreshed. Mentally sharp. We all escape and we just watch it. I can tell you the dopamine of Instagram and friends and pictures and, and double clicking and all the things that goes with it. And commitment after commitment after commitment after commitment after commitment. You see, both sin and distraction has three things that it does to us. First of all, it makes us so busy that we have no time to cultivate our relationship with God. And what is so hard for me as a pastor is to look at so many beautiful people in multiple campuses and online and realize that you want to grow in your desire for God. But if you are too busy, you have no time for it you will never experience a flourishing. Every Sunday you will just make it and feel guilty that you have not spent any other time with God. And we live in a world right now that you may not understand. Old days, people have services for three hours. Imagine that. You literally got to pack a flask of coffee and a sandwich. It's like a whole day thing now. After about 20 minutes, people are like, I'm done. This is boring. The attention span. The second thing is, it will isolate you from people. And do you know that God has ordained for people to be the most catalytic and the most effective way to sharpen your life? 
when you mix with the right people going in the right direction. Bible says this iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And then the one thing that distraction and sin will do, it will cause you to ignore your inner world, your soul. You know the song that says, It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. How's your soul? Because for most of us, when we think about our soul, we, we don't even know what it means. For 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 is such a potent scripture. I would love for us all to read it together. Online, Greece campus, this room, let's read it out loud. My beloved friend, I pray that everything is going well with you as that your body is healthy. Come on, out loud. As your soul prospers. In other words, he says, there is something on the inside. When it prospers, it affects everything else. And I believe that we live in a time where we are experiencing physical breakdown and physical breakdown so often is because of the internal part of our lives that are so strained. Now, when we say the word soul, you've got to understand as human beings, we are so integrated. Because there are a, a certain school of thought that says, um, I can do sin because it's in the body as long as it doesn't enter my soul. And I go like, yay, how fun is that? But it's impossible because the integration between your body, your soul, and your spirit is so unique. It's, it's so interwoven. That's why I want to say this to you. There is no way to spiritually thrive and not cultivate a thriving soul. And there is no way for us to say that we are thriving, but we don't take care of our bodies because it's interwoven. So Jewish scholars... They took five words that you find in Scripture, in Hebrew and in Greek. And, and to pronounce these words are hard. I actually had four years of one and five years of the other. I supposed to actually say it quite well. I had a friend. He, he was a, a Greek-speaking Christian. And uh, for my birthday, he bought me an Amplified Bible. And... I was a young preacher, and in the front he wrote, Dear Pastor Pierre, I love you, but your Greek is terrible. So I'm not even going to try to give it to you. But the very first one uh, talks about breath, and it's the engine of life. When God breathed into mud, he breathed a life-giving spirit, the engine of life. Every time I do a funeral, is because the breath is out of the body, the engine of life. The next one is the word ruach, which is wind, spirit. And it talks about the emotional self, the personality, you, that makes you so unique. The other one is the intellectual self. Then the fourth one is the relational self. And the last one that is so important, it talks about a singularity, and that is the essence of God in your soul. So we carry this beautiful, complex basket of multiple things that Scripture refers to as our soul. 
and our inner world. And the question is a very simple question that you and I have to wrestle down every single day. We've got to wrestle the fact, are we going to cultivate an internal world that has a relationship with God and with people and is beautiful and is healed and is thriving and wherever we are, the very essence of our inner world becomes the very fragrance of our lives. And when people meet us, they walk away, they go like, wow, every time I'm with this person, there is something so uniquely different about them. I don't know about you, but I want to be that. Or we can allow the culture and its demands and its busyness and its toxicity to keep us so busy that we actually neglect the inner part of our inner world. Have you ever been with somebody and you can't wait to leave because their very essence is exhausting? They walk into the room and you can't breathe. You go like, oh dear God, just l let me run. Because I, I am not a deep feeler, but I am. When somebody walks through the door, I can feel their vibe. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? Well, let me be honest. If you're a good husband, you walk through the door. You know if your wife is happy or not. You have not even seen her. You've just got this feeling. Now, the question is this. If we neglect our inner world, the culture will keep us so busy that we will find ourselves depleted. And there was a book that I read when I was 33, and it was so impactful. That's why I remember my age. It was a book by Gordon MacDonald called Ordering Your Private World. And in this book, and I've got to tell you something about me. It's not important, but it brings context. I love to win. I'm extremely competitive. My kids are so small. How many of you know it's important for your kids to win at Monopoly? Not mine. When I see I'm losing and there's no way out, I always take the board and I shake and I go like, earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. And I just shake the whole thing out of proportion. So when my kids began to play, they go like, please, Dad, no earthquake today. Please, Dad, no. Whenever we shoot hoops and we're terrible at it, I'm going to shoot until I win. There is no way I'm losing because I'm driven. I love to, to just do things. And, and, and I think God put some of that in, but not at the expense of my soul. And I remember reading this one phrase. It says, at the end of a busy life, you will find a barren, anemic soul. That spoke so hard and truthful to me. That it was the starting point of journaling, praying, reading scripture every day. Because you know barren soul when you wake up, you brush your teeth, you get dressed, you eat, you go to work, 
you come back. And you repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And you make money and you go on vacation. And when you come back, you're more tired. You need a vacation from a vacation. And you go like, dear God, is this really it? And then you think, one day when I retire, it's going to be beautiful. And when you retire, you're filled with regrets because now you've become invisible to humanity. And you don't want to live with other old people because we are never old in our own heads. We, we look at them and go like, ooh, look at them. We look in the mirror, we look 18, and we think we don't fit. But we realize we always wait for the next place of arrival and think we're going to feel fantastic. And I'm here to tell you, whatever you are today, unless you ruthlessly change that, you're going to become more of that when you get old. So now that we are very depressed, you are asking, so what do I do? Well, you see, I believe we have to make a choice every day in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I would love for you to read this out loud with me. Come on, you're not going to spread COVID if you read out loud. Just keep your mask on. It says this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in in other words, he says it's not just something you say, I agree. Prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. He says you have got to allow God to influence your mind. Otherwise, you are not going to find yourself in that place of living what God intended as a thriving existence. But the culture around us is highly corrosive and toxic. For many of you, you would understand the days when there was only one telephone in the house and it had a very long cord that twirled. And it always, the twirl always gets tangled. And if you can have a twill cord that goes three times around the house, you are rich, baby. You imported those things. Uh, there were no internet. There was no such thing as internet. When you get in your car, nobody can get you unless they chase you. Freedom at last. Free freedom at last. Now, you see, our world creates things and it's designed for distraction and addiction because that's where the money is. If they gotta, can get you addicted to something, they know they will make money forever. And I want to say this to you right now. That there is a guy, his name is Tony Schwartz, and he wrote this for the New York Times. It really matters. Listen to what he is saying. He says, addiction is the relentless to a substance or an activity, and ultimately it will interfere with a healthy life. He says, by definition, nearly everyone I know is addicted in some measure and form to the internet. Whenever you go on a trip, you know when people start to complain when there's no more signal. 
Have you ever seen what happened when your phone doesn't have a signal? You go like, oh dear God, oh dear God, there's no signal. What if there's a serial killer around me right now? Oh, oh dear Lord, oh dear Lord. Because we, we, are, we have become slaves to slave masters. We don't want to know what to do without time. We don't want to do. But the question is, what is the cost to our souls? There is this beautiful song that was written. It says this. I find space for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my priorities. Jesus, you're my number one. says, I make space for what I treasure. I make time for what I love. I choose my priorities. And you see, the thing that you and I need to understand is that whatever we love the most, we will create time for it. I, I have a friend here at the Father's house. I love him so much. First of all, he's very tall. I like tall people because then I can walk confidently and be cheeky with other people. Every time I meet him, he says, I've just played my 134th round of golf. And I go like, dang it. I've played one and a half and I've, I've run out of balls, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I don't look for them. That's not how it works with me. I declare out loud, I'm going to hit, and every ball that I see that is white is mine. <laughs> I ain't looking for balls. I'm not going to write my name on a ball. That's going to be a long day. And there's nothing wrong with what he does. But you see, if it comes at the expense of a relationship, a relationship with God, because I can tell you this, I've been married a long time with my wife love her deeply. But when I put our relationship at the back end of the demands of life, there comes a moment when we are strangers living in the same house. Because everything worthwhile needs to be cultivated. Get that tattoo. Everything worthwhile needs to be cultivated. I love to cultivate things. I've I, I built this greenhouse in this past two weeks. I planted with a tweezer 1,320 seeds because I love flowers. This morning, I cut the first one, and that's my practice. I make my wife coffee, and I take her the most beautiful flower that has grown. Yeah, man, let that be pressure on you. And, and, and I love that. 
You know how many times I've gone to that greenhouse and I look at dirt and I go like, wake up, you fool. You know how much time this has taken. Uh, but I've got to water this. I've got to wait. I've got to be kind. It takes time because the reward of what I see in my mind will come at great expense to time and priority. So I'm going to give you 10 symptoms of a hurried life. They call it hurry disease. I don't want you to look around, but I want to see if any of these hits a question or a, a, a echo with you. Irritability. All the time you were just angry at nothing. You just, you just growl at everything. Hypersensitivity. It's a small thing, but it, it brings breakdown. Somebody didn't greet you. Now you can't get over it. Uh, restlessness. Um, if somebody says, hey, let's just go for a walk and sit. You go like, how long is this going to take? You can't. It feels like the worms are eating you from the inside. Being a workaholic, in other words, you, you've just got to go, 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 go. You say, but my industry needs it. I'm telling you right now, your industry wants you to need what they think you need so they can get your liver, your kidneys, your soul, your heart at a cost. And when you can't do it anymore, they're going to give you a cheap pen that's been gold-plated and you'll be forgotten in two days at the cost of what? Emotional numbness. Have you ever been in a place where you're not happy, you're not sad, you're actually feeling nothing? When you hear about somebody that has died, you feel nothing. When you feel somebody is happy, you feel nothing. Out of order priorities, you just feel disconnected. A lack of care of your own body, you know it's going south fast. Man, I've got a fat kid in me, his name is Barry. I've got to fight him every day. Barry lives, loves, uh, oh, glazed munchkins. Barry drives me to Dunkin' Donuts twice a day. I hate Barry. But if I'm not careful, Barry is going to kill me. Escapist behavior. You do things, and I don't even have to get into it, because most of those things are extremely corrosive. Slippage of spiritual discipline. You say, I'm too busy to read the Bible. I'm too busy to pray. And usually say, you say, I don't know how to read the Bible. No, it's none of that. You just don't make time for it. And yes, the last one is isolation. I'm an introvert. I love being alone. What is that movie of Tom Hanks on the island with his, his soccer ball? Castaway? What was the soccer ball's name? Wilson. If you want to send me on a vacation... Give me Wilson and give me an island. And I go like, free at last. But it's not freedom. That's actually feeding into a compulsion. Because the inner voice will always defeat you in isolation. The inner voice is not of God and it's not on your side. You see, that's why when people are around you, their encouragement and their love. Oh, silence the inner voices. Now, we've got to be honest. You're in the house of God, Greece campus. Thou shalt not lie in the house of God online. You can probably fake this out. How many of you say five of these things? I know I have them. Raise your hands. Just wave at me. 
I've got three honest, five honest people in this house. Or maybe I should test this. How many of you say, I've got eight of these going right now? How many of you say, I'm an achiever, I'm all ten, wave at me. I win, I've got all ten of these. I'm telling you, all ten of these is a dangerous sign to us all. But Jesus was aware of this. He's aware of this danger of us living life with barren hearts. But you've got to understand where your priorities are, there your time will be. At the end of my life and your life, we're a product of what we prioritize the most. It is the truth. We are a product of that. And if you want to have what you deeply desire, you've got to make it a high priority to cultivate your soul and your spirit. So what is the solution? Not more time. The solution is how you choose to spend your time. So Ephesians 5, 15 is such a potent scripture. My second last scripture, it says this, so be careful how you Oh, come on, everybody. Let's read together. Come on, Greece. Be careful how you live. Be mindful of your steps. Don't run around. I didn't write this, the voice, like idiots, as the rest of the world does. Instead, walk as the wise. Listen to me. Every time I do a funeral, and I personally love doing funerals, not because I'm a morbid soul, but every time I'm at a funeral and I meet mortality, I heard a priest, oh, Catholic priest, that was in one of the funerals that he did. Oh, he did a spectacular job. You know what he said? He says, if you want to see how life should be lived, go to a funeral and watch people love, move, and appreciate. Everybody hugs forgives, walk slow. Why? We realize that we too will die. David says, teach us to number our days, that we will live wisely, O God. Now here's Jesus, and He is speaking these words. He speaks these words in the book of Matthew 11 at 28, and I'm going to ask Josh to come help me. Come on, everybody, read it out loud. Jesus says this. Are you, let me ask you the question. Are you tired? Shout yes. Okay, but, but if you're really tired, so you can't lie. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on rule keeping? That's what religion is. Jesus says this. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And then he continues to say this. I learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely 
and lightly. I love how the message of the, the Amplified says, he says, put my yoke upon your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted for your curves. When you are yoked with me, your weary souls will find rest. You know what's so interesting about Jesus? <clears throat> At the busiest times where people demanded from him the most, he would say to his disciples, Mark 5, 31, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and let's find some rest. Can you imagine Jesus said, hey, leave your cell phone at home. Switch it off. Don't tell the world, I'm in a quiet place with Jesus while you're on Instagram Live. You're not. You're not. You can't say to your wife, we're having this intimate moment. Smile, honey. I've got 45 followers. Really? Who are you with? 45 followers or the one that you love? Come on, let me preach something. I'm telling you right now that this is far too much of a cost. Now, the, way, the word yoke doesn't sound like fun. But the word, word yoke is an Old Testament idiom of rabbis interpreting the Torah. And by interpreting the Torah, it manifests in how they live. So the students that follows the rabbi, they would say, I am taking on the yoke of my rabbi. Now, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, for it's light and it's easy, and it will lead to rest for your soul. First service, Josh was very nervous. He didn't know what I was going to do. Now, imagine he and I are yoked together. First thing, when you've got two strong animals, you yoke them together so that they can walk in pace, and in pace, their strength far greater than when they are disrupted in pace. Imagine I'm Jesus. I'm not, I'm not. But imagine I'm Jesus. And I'm the one that is walking with Josh. Wherever I walk, wherever I go, whatever speed I travel, he, he can go no faster or slower than what he has chosen to put the yoke on to know the rhythms of God's grace. So let me finish this. I love doing things fast. When we get to the airport, my kids always tell me, please, please give us the ticket. We'll see on the other side. Because you walk so fast. You always think Jesus is coming before the flight takes off. You are always on the run. When I walk with my lease and hold hands, I'm always dragging her. And she says, you're breaking my fingers because I'm like, we're on a walk, walk, honey. I love you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm always in the next moment. And, 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 and part of that is God's intention in me. But if I allow that intention to create the pace for everything in my life, there is no time for I find space for what I treasure. I make time 
Dallas Willard says, we all know that any relationship can only thrive when there's undivided time. And you know when you give somebody undivided time, they know whether it is because you value them or whether you tolerate them. And I believe with all of my heart that you love Jesus. And as your pastor, this year the Lord is pointing my heart towards cultivating spiritual discipleship as the highest priority in this church. That our roots go so deep in God, if anything else happen, we'll stand. We will not drift and fall. But I'm here to tell you it is impossible if we do not value it so important that we say no to certain things because I don't know if you know this on this phone there is this button right here on the side you can actually do those buttons and then at the top there's this thing and you 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 can actually did you know you can actually turn this off you can actually turn it off it's off it's like hey hi it's off Nora Jones has this beautiful song because Dallas Willard said we know it but for most of us we are unwilling to adopt it and I've said it to you before as I close all the time I'm imagining that God extends his hands to me and he says come away with me right now Come away with me, I will write a song. Hey, Deb, come away with me right now. Hey, Ernie, come away with me right now. Aaron, I know you're busy. You've got appointments. But Aaron, come away with me right now. I wonder how many times Jesus sings this song over me and I go like, hang on, I'll be back tonight. There's things I have to do. But I'm here to tell you that who we become will be as a result of what we treasure. Say, I find space for what I treasure. Let's just close our eyes. 
If you're a night person, pour yourself a, a cup of decaf coffee or tea. If you're a morning person, just half an hour. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, tea. Weather is nice in the second. And just walk outside while everybody else is in their homes and say I will make room for you I will prepare for two so you don't feel that you can live here moms raising kids can't even find a deep breath dads trying to make a living parents trying to raise children husbands and wives that are like ships sailing in the wind a people that you have redeemed and forgiven has transformed. But God, the ask of life is so demanding and toxic. Help us to fall in love with you in such a way that we will make room for you, Jesus. 
and we will set you at the highest place of our lives. Because this is the year of revitalization in our hearts. Help us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.